0: Hey, 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 lovers, haters, and spectators. Welcome back to another episode of the No Gag Order Podcast. I'm your host, I go by Coach Jay, and today's episode is titled Loss, the Forever Wound That Never Stops Bleeding. Now, I am going to go ahead and ask for grace, compassion, and empathy in advance because I am recording this episode on a day that is significant in my personal journey. I expect myself to ramble a little, maybe even get choked up, cry and snot and, and have to record in multiple attempts because I'm likely gonna need a moment throughout recording this. So just bear with me um, because The day that I'm recording this is the date that my father passed away. Two years ago today, the person I resonated with the most on this planet left. With that being said, I will start with a little bit of that experience and share some other experiences and encounters since then as well as before my father passed away. Um, if, and, and that's only if I have time in this episode, I will try to fit as much in as I can. Um, but I don't want the episode to get too long. So that being said, let's jump right into it. Right. Two years ago, March the 1st, 2021, I was in a therapy session and I was talking about how I've always had this knowing. Since I can remember where I would just know things. I didn't know how I knew the information. I didn't know where the information came from. It was just this deep knowing. Um and being able to um kind of articulate that um as a child. Because I have a podcast, trust me, I was articulating and talking a lot when I was younger. Um I wasn't talking to any and everyone. However, if I felt comfortable talking to you, of course. I could really go. I could always talk. <laughs> in school, the only note that would always be on my report cards back when the teachers used to hand write in the report cards. I don't wanna talk about it. I mean, you know, whatever, the nostalgia of it all. But that would be one of the notes. She's very talkative in class or she talks a lot because once I made a friend or a couple of friends, I really only dealt with those friends, right? So, as a child, for as long as I can remember, I've always been that way where I just knew things and I would tell people about it. I would express things to adults and etc. cetera. Um, in some cases, I would know that something was going to happen. Um, some cases I would I would have knowledge of things that had already happened without someone telling me about it or hearing someone else over, or, you know overhearing someone talk about it I would just know that something had happened um there's been some instances where I was able to give very very clear insight on things that I was not present for or in the room for example if a conversation happened between two adults and I was nowhere near them but I could repeat some of the things that happened in those conversations so anyway I was telling my therapist about this and I began to tell my therapist about instances when I was younger where I had this knowing but I didn't have all the details and would insist on things and I began to tell her about this because I was talking about present day and current things that were happening at work and how you know I would just know things and how sometimes I really would wish I was wrong about the things that I felt so deeply and like I, it was like I knew it was a fact um, before it ever happened like I could foresee certain things happening so I began to tell her about this time that I was visiting my father, um, cause my mother and father are divorced. That's a whole nother story for another time, but it is another instance of me kind of knowing something and having insight and talking about the future and giving warnings of different things. But anyway, I was visiting my father, um, and my great grandmother was in the hospital And this is a hospital I'm very familiar with, hospital I was born at. My father worked there um, at the city that we lived in. This was literally like the main hospital. Um, So my great-grandmother was in the hospital because she had had a surgery um, and it was something that had to happen. It was a surgery that was necessary. Um, And so My father's girlfriend at the time still worked at the hospital. My father wasn't working there anymore, but my father's girlfriend did still work at the hospital. Um, And so this was the same hospital that my great-grandmother was in. And um, we were dropping off his girlfriend at work. And this particular day, I insisted that we park and go upstairs. I just kept saying I wanted to go upstairs and begging to go upstairs as we're pulling up to the hospital. um, They're saying their goodbyes, I'm in the back seat. And I just remember standing up in between the two front seats and begging to go upstairs and insisting that we go up there. Um, So my father was initially saying no. You know, my dad was a mechanic, he had a shop. um, And he was talking about, you know, trying to get to the shop to work on some cars that he had to work on and do some other things that we needed to do that day. And me being the daddy's girl that I was, I continued to insist (laughs) going upstairs. Can we please go upstairs? Can we please go upstairs? So his girlfriend gets out the car. I am still jumping up and down in the back, asking to go upstairs and saying, please. And he's, you know, shaking his head, looking at me and, you know, laughing because I, I absolutely am a clown. I've always been a clown I've always been one to make people laugh so he was laughing at me because I was being dramatic um making my father laugh was like a pastime of mine being a daddy's girl the way that I was it was something I enjoyed so he's laughing at me because I'm being extra but I'm very persistent about going upstairs so then we're about to pull off after his girlfriend made it inside of the door because he would sit there and wait for her to actually get inside the door um and Just when we're about to pull off, we literally had slowly started pulling away from the curb. And I was still begging and I was beginning to pout because he was pulling away from the curb. We look up and we see my aunt, my father's sister, walking across the circle. So he rolls down the window and she confirmed that she was headed upstairs. My father tells her, you know, that I was saying I want to go up there. And then he kind of just looks at me and then he tells her to hold on, like, okay, we're going to come up. He tells her to hold up because we're going up, we're going to park. So my aunt gets to the sidewalk. My father pulls into a parking space. I instantly get happy that we are now going upstairs, right? So we park, my aunt is waiting on the curb, and then we all head inside. As we are walking in, my aunt is not in the happiest of moods. Um, but we're walking in. I have a little skip or an upbeat step, I guess you can say. Um, just hindsight, my aunt's energy. She wasn't very uh, happy. She wasn't really warm. She seemed almost worried like, or um, disappointed or something like that, right? We get to the elevator and my dad presses the button to go upstairs. And then he continues to tell my aunt, Um, that we were just, you know, dropping off his girlfriend. I'm redacting names um, in these stories, but my aunt and his girlfriend shared the same name. So he called her by her name, whereas I'm saying his girlfriend. So he's like, oh, we're just here dropping, dropping off blank and tells her that I was begging to go upstairs and I just wouldn't stop talking about going upstairs. So my aunt looks at him with this troubling look on her face and says wait nobody called you this was the time where cell phones were not a thing (laughs) and the only people that really had uh, cell phones they were car phones and they were like doctors and things like that it was very expensive nobody really had cell phones back then um my dad definitely wasn't one of those people even let's just say he wasn't one of those people right so there was no cell like there was no cell phone or whatever that somebody could have called him on And before we went to drop her off, um, we were out running some errands or something. So we didn't even come directly from the house. We had been out of the house for like a couple hours or so before we got to the hospital. So he looks at her with almost like this, what the fuck are you talking about look on his face. She says, I thought somebody had called you already and gives him a look he then says that we wasn't home and he starts going oh no and like he kind of paces a little away from me like his back towards me um with like this distress type of body language followed by a few cuss words because my dad cussed like a sailor that's probably where i get it from but she she kind of just says in this lower tone like yeah and so then the elevator door opens and we get on the elevator. Um, There was nobody else on the elevator. People stepped off, nobody else was on with us. So once the doors closed, she says to him, pretty much the whole family is up there already. And I'm just eagerly waiting for the doors to open for us to get off the elevator. So when the doors open and we step off of the elevator, my great grandmother's um, room was almost the last room on the hallway. She was like the second door from the last door. The way the hallway worked all the way at the end, there was these huge windows at the end of every hallway. And then there would be like a room. And then right next to it was another room door. And then it was a little bit of space and the next room door. My great grandmother was in the next to last door. So when we step off down at the end of the hallway is a crowd of people, it's all our family. Some people are visibly upset and we, of course, are walking down the hallway to get to where they are. And when we get down there, I didn't even enter the room or have a desire to. Once we were on the floor that my great-grandmother's room was on, I was more at ease and I just went and sat with others that were in the hallway. I kind of was just over there with my cousins that were a little bit older than me, you know, a few years, five or six years here and there. And I kind of am just sitting with the family at the end of the hallway. I'll spare you the details of the rest of this visit. And I will kind of go back to about a week or less prior to this day. When I was at the hospital visiting my great-grandmother with another family member. Not my dad, but I was with another family member and my cousin. This particular day, my great-grandmother was staring at a spot above my head in her room. And when asked by the family member what she was looking at, she said it was a pretty light. The family member was telling her she needed to eat. And my great-grandmother just kept saying she needed her bag so she could go home. She kept saying to give her her suitcase, give her her suitcase. The family member brushing it off as her wanting to leave the hospital. You know, she kind of just asked and joked about her not liking the nursing staff or something to be in such a hurry to leave. So when that family member left the room at one point, my great grandmother kept staring at the spot in the ceiling. So my great grandmother broke her concentration once while the family member was out of the room. And she looked me in my eyes and told me to hand her those bags so she could go. I smiled as a child and then she went back to looking at the spot in the ceiling until the doctor came in to talk to her. So the next time I was there, was the day that I refused to allow my father to leave. My great-grandmother passed away with her eyes open, looking at that spot in the ceiling. I tell the story to you the way that I told it to my therapist that day in that session because it's relevant. While telling the story to my therapist, the memory of going to the hospital. Standing at that elevator with my dad was so vivid, I could literally feel it happening all over again. I felt like I was in that hospital waiting at the elevator. I even said to my therapist, wow, telling you that it feels like I am literally right back in that moment. And then we moved on to another story and closing the session for that day. Well, two days later, after telling my therapist that story, it was a Monday, it was a Monday afternoon. Two days later, on the 3rd of March, I found out that my dad had passed away. Now, I know you're probably like, wait, he passed away on the 1st and you're saying he found out on the 3rd? I know it's a little confusing, especially when you don't have the information, but I am going to skip a lot of the detail um, surrounding my father's passing to kind of get to the point of this episode. So at the time of my father's passing, I had no idea where he was. No family knew where he was. And there's just a lot to that story. try this again I don't know what it is about this episode when I tell you there has been so many interruptions and disruptions and things stopping this process I don't know what this episode is going to do for someone else but for me to be running into so many issues this episode must be something um so let me try to figure out where I was and pick up where I left off so The morning that I found out that he passed away, I spent that morning trying to locate his body and figure out where he was. I am an only child. He was not married. His longtime girlfriend that at one time our state would have considered his common law wife passed away years before he did. So everything was essentially up to me as the next of kin, right? So I eventually found him at the same hospital that that memory took place that I was born, that he used to work, that our family had so many ties to. Later, later down the line, okay? I know this timeline is crazy, but for the sake of this episode, later down the line, I discovered that at the very moment that I was transported back into that memory at the hospital while I was telling my therapist about it, why I said it feels like I'm literally in the hospital with my dad at the elevator. At the very moment that I was telling her that story, it was the time that he was pronounced deceased in that hospital. Make sure you're understanding me. At the specific time of the day, on the 1st, that I was talking to my therapist, telling her about this memory, and I said, it feels like I'm literally standing at the elevator with my dad waiting for it to open, he was in that hospital being pronounced as deceased. Now there's more that I can say here, but that would dive into a completely different topic. So I'll stay focused. I do however, I plan to tell a bit more about my dad's story both here on earth and the ordeal surrounding his passing later this year. Um, My plans are that for his birthday, I will kind of dive a little bit more into my dad, the person and the wild ass circumstances surrounding his passing away. Um, So make sure you come back for that story, um, that story time that I will tell in July. Anyway, now back to the topic at hand, loss, right? There are other instances of my knowing that someone was going to pass away beforehand. And for me, Death was not uncommon for me as a child. I knew when it was coming. I knew when it had happened before someone told me, and I didn't respond to it happening like everyone else. Now I believe that that's kind of because I kind of had this knowing inside of me, even when I didn't verbalize it or articulate it. Because there was a time, you know, when I was younger as a, as a child, maybe you know, middle schoolish, I would get this feeling and I wouldn't verbalize it because. As children, you know, we always kind of turn inwardly. I mean, adults do it too, where we're blaming ourselves and we're wondering if it's something that we did or did we speak something into existence and, you know, blah, 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 right? So I didn't respond to death and someone passing away like I saw everyone else. All of my, you know, family members and friends, when they lost people, they'd be so upset and crying and emotional. I didn't have that. But the death of my father, whew, that honestly was the first time that the emotional roller coaster was a direct result of my personal feelings for someone. So, in times past, when I would attend funerals, this is before I stopped because I stopped going to funerals when I was about in middle school, I think it was. I just no longer wanted to do that. Um, but before I stopped, when I would go to funerals, I would cry or feel bad or be emotionally moved, but it was as a result of seeing people that I care about deeply hurt or feeling the intensity of emotions that other people were going through at the service. Like I literally could tap into what someone was feeling and I would feel it as if it were my own. Or, you know, just seeing other people hurt and I couldn't change it. I'm a fixer by nature. So seeing, you know, my little cousins crying and I can't fix the reason that they're crying. Nothing I can do can take away the emotions that they feel. So I would be emotionally moved by things like that. Seeing people that I care about so deeply hurt made me hurt. That was kind of my response at funerals and when people would pass away. I would respond and react to the emotions of other people and my compassion for them as people going through something. It wouldn't necessarily be the death of whoever the person was that we lost. So it, it, it just was different. My dad's passing was different for me. My father, his passing just kind of opened up a new world for me as it relates to grief. His death was impactful to the point of feeling like it was the very first time i had ever experienced the loss of someone. And i know that's crazy because i'm in my 30s. He he passed away, you know, with me in my 30s. I've lost so many family members, especially on my dad's side of the family, you know, as a child. But it was literally almost like i had never lost someone like that before or n- like i had never experienced loss at all before. And that's just not true. So his passing opened up a lot of childhood trauma revelations, a lot of emotional awareness that I thought I already had, and a lot of understanding of emotions that I had only observed outwardly in others. I refer to I refer to my father's passing as an essential pivot in my life. It triggered a lot of things in me for the better. I no longer was taking on burdens that didn't belong to me because I had no room to lie to myself and tell myself that I had the capacity to hold more in certain moments. Um, Like I said, I am a fixer. So his passing and dealing with that, it was a pivotal point for me because I stopped taking on other people's problems as my own. I stopped trying to fix other people's issues. I stopped trying to be things that you know be outlets for other people when I just didn't have the capacity to hold it I for once was putting myself first and my capacity and my ability so in other words I wasn't saying yes I wasn't agreeing to do things for or with others or even answering my phone calls and text messages when I had no space to do so like I just and, and that's abnormal for me. People are used to me picking up all the time, etc. But I just wouldn't do it. If I did happen to pick up my calls, I would listen to people talk and not offer solutions or advice or et cetera. So I would not pour out when my cup was empty. And that for me was new to be doing it to that extent. I had boundaries and things like that before, but I wasn't, I would flex my boundaries for certain people or for certain situations for certain situations and would gauge my boundary based on that actual individualized situation but the death of my father I just didn't do that I also didn't suppress or put my emotional needs on the back burner for anyone which as a fixer as someone with the childhood traumas that my father's passing brought back up that I needed to still deal with that wasn't normal so this time in my life caused a lot of collateral damage basically some of that was ending friendships that should have probably ended previously but I was reasoning myself into them or keeping them or whatever have you it caused me to put distance between myself and other friends that was probably necessary it caused me to really just sit with me and address unresolved trauma in my life traumas that, like I said, I thought that I had previously dealt with. I have a background in psychology. So, you know, I'm very big on introspection and all these things. And I thought that I had dealt with so many things. And the death of my father just showed me how much more work I still needed to do in certain areas. Because self-improvement and self-healing and and your healing journey and all of that is a never-ending cycle. And my dad's passing was like the magnifying glass. Before I even really had the opportunity to catch my breath from handling the services and the entire shit show of an ordeal with my father's passing, an uncle passed away. An uncle who I had just seen not even two weeks prior at my father's services. Then another uncle's secret diagnosis was brought to the family's attention. And there was this waiting game Of that loss, we knew that he was going to die and it was like a waiting game for it. While we are experiencing that, there was a memorial for another uncle that had actually passed away at the end of 2020. So because it was 2020, we were unable to do the memorial at that time. So then this memorial happened again. My father passed away two weeks later, not even two weeks after his funeral, um, another uncle passed away. Then we find out about another uncle's illness. So this was all in a very short time frame, like back to back to back. And it was a lot. There was just loss after loss of family, loss of loved ones, of friends. So like I had friends that had people pass away that was very significant to them. Angels in the special needs community. I'm a special needs mother. So I'm connected to other special needs parents. Um, and some of them had lost their children so that loss kind of impacted me in certain ways loss of classmates people that I went to school with getting killed or passing away for some type of medical reason or in their sleep just loss after loss after loss after loss and with each and every one of them it would rip the bandage off of my emotions surrounding my father no matter who the person was to me it somehow triggered emotions and thoughts about my dad and about his passing. And there's so much turmoil surrounding his passing. So when someone passes away and you don't have all the facts and you don't have information and there's voids and there's gaps, it hits a little bit different. So his death caused me to be so much more aware than I was before. So every time someone I personally knew passed away, Someone passed that I knew by association, like, you know, a loved one to a friend, or even strangers talking about their loss would make my wound bleed all over again. Sometimes it would send me into an emotional spiral where I would feel multiple emotions all at once. Other times it would, you know, just make me really, really sad or my heart would ache for them, but at the same time for my own loss. Yeah, the wound would just start bleeding. The the smallest of things would bring it up. Some days it would gush. Other days it would just slowly seep out. But it always started bleeding all over again. So I refer to loss as the wound that never heals. Because when you are truly impacted by loss and deal with the grief that is associated with the death of a person, it will start to bleed all over everything at any time any place it doesn't care what plans you have for the day or that moment the smallest of things such as fictional shows it could, it could be a script you know this is not real but something in that show triggers you and now you're crying now you're sad now you're angry you have all these emotions someone's smile could remind you of that person And now you're in shambles because it reminded you of that person and you missed their smile. A song could come on the radio. A song could be playing in a department store that you walk into. It could be something as much as a smell. You walk past someone that's wearing the same fragrance that they used to wear. Or a piece of candy in a store that you have some type of memory of that person. Driving down a particular street may trigger a memory. And so many other things literally memories can be triggered by a cloud in the sky it could it be the smallest of things and it'll rip that wound open all over again you could be oh my god over the moon happy about something and then a memory is triggered and next thing you know you are literally underneath the valley you're not even in the valley you're underneath it from one second to the next, when memories or thoughts of our loved ones come up, there is a hundred percent chance that at least two emotions will show up at once. I'll give you an example of what I mean by that. I see candy that my dad used to buy for me, right? Cotton candy is one of the things i I have I will hyperfixate and cotton candy was the thing in 2022 that I had a hyperfixation on because my dad used to give me cotton candy and buy me cotton candy, right? So I see this cotton candy. First, I am instantly reminded of him and the memory playing in my head makes me smile and feel the love that I felt in that moment. But then directly after, there's a sorrow that comes in because I can't feel that love again from him in the same way. And missing him may bring tears Literally right after the smile, one memory, two emotions or two responses or two reactions to the one memory. And I know the saying goes that time heals all wounds. I'm gonna be honest because that's all I can do. I find that not to be true at all. I have comforted so many over the years in life coaching sessions, friends, family members who lost someone dear to them decades ago and they still have moments as if the person just passed away. So no, time does not heal all wounds. I believe that what happens is that we get familiar with this roller coaster that never ends. We we begin to understand that we never get off of this ride. So we embrace and accept the emotions when they come so that we can then move through them. We come to this expectation that at any given moment, the emotions tied to the loss of that person can affect us. With all of that being said, today marked two years since my dad transitioned. And I wasn't sad at all this time. My dad, in all the things that he was, and he was many things, One of them was an alcoholic, (laughs) okay? He was an alcoholic on this side of life. So this year, I decided I was going to celebrate his transition. Instead of thinking in terms of me and my desires and what I want, I decided that I was going to celebrate the transition instead of it being a sad day. Now, I know with all of my being that my father was not happy in this life. And he hadn't been for a long time. I know that he was tired in this life. So I chose to go grab a few mini bottles to put on his shelf or altar. Some people refer to it as altar. I have a shelf where his ashes sit. I have pictures of him. I have things that remind me of him and it sits under a hand painted photo um, or a hand painting, not photo, but a hand painting of two elephants and elephants are significant in my family but specifically for me is something with me and my dad so there's this shelf that ha- has everything on it and I decided I was going to sit some mini bottles on the shelf um because this is this is my way of celebrating his transition regardless of what I wanted so I put the bottles on the shelf and I had decided that I was going to have a drink and a couple shots in celebration with him although yes I would rather have him here and have the opportunity for so many things that I was hoping for. I was able to genuinely be happy that he is no longer living miserably. And of course, that happiness comes with the hopes that his spirit found peace and happiness. I encourage you to work through the grief associated with loss that you have experienced. I validate that there are certain I validate that there are certainly others that get it and that your emotions and your feelings are normal. Your emotions and your feelings are to be expected. So I say to you today, don't let anyone shame you for how you grieve or how you deal with your loss. Don't let anyone tell you how you are supposed to address the loss of a loved one because even if they two lost the same loved one for example my dad is the uncle to my cousins we lost the same loved one the thing that i understand is that their relationship with my dad was not the same as my relationship so i say to you that even if there's someone that experienced the same loss that you experienced at the same time of the same loved one their relationship with that person was different than yours and you are different human beings therefore you will address the loss differently than one another the loss is not going to look the same on on you two individuals i want to reassure you that there is no specific time frame for you to move through any step in the grief process there is no specific way What helps someone else may not be the thing that helps you. Everyone copes differently. I will encourage you to try different coping skills and activities until you find what resonates with you the most. What worked for the grief from the last loved one that you lost may not help with the next loss because the relationship is different. Your relationship is different with that person. So from one person to the next, you know, let's say for example, if I went to like one of those smash rooms, that might help, but then the next loss, that might not help me because I might not be angry. So the tension and the buildup is not the same. I might have one loss where it triggers anger and then another loss, it triggers sadness more. So from one loss to the next, that's gonna look different. And with each loss, you're going to have to explore it differently and find out what's going to work for you. This episode was about loss with some association to grief. I'll go ahead and give you the heads up that the next episode will dive a little deeper into grief because I believe that we have become desensitized to certain terms. And I think that that is due to overuse of the terms and lack of recognizing the fluidity in such things. So the word grief is thrown around a lot in society. And even if you look at the definition in a dictionary, the definition says that, oh, it's something you experience when you have someone that passes away or is associated with the death of a person or a pet, even in some cases. But believe it or not, grief is not just associated with the death of a loved one or a pet. So be sure to come back when I dive more into that because grief is a lot more common than we realize this has been another episode of the no gag order podcast again i'm your host i go by coach jay